Welcome to True Crime Mysteries, the podcast that takes you deep into the heart of the world's most gripping true crime stories. I'm your host, Megan, and I've spent years researching, investigating, and seeking the truth in dark corners where most people dare not look. Each week, we'll delve into a new case, peeling back layers of mystery, law, and human behavior. Together, we'll explore the intricate webs woven by those who break society's most sacred laws. We'll cover cold cases, missing persons, and recently uncovered serial killers, and instances where DNA has identified a killer. Join us as we journey back in the past, bring decade-old cases to life, and explore the dark, tragic, and inexplicable. And maybe find a light of justice at the end of the tunnel. This is True Crime Mysteries. It was on March 18, 2023, when mother of six Angela Craig in Denver, Colorado, was pronounced brain dead at 4.29 p.m. But what was the cause? Angela had been completely healthy when she was suddenly plagued with a mysterious illness, and it had started a course of debilitating illness, ultimately causing her organs to shut down. It mystified doctors. It had only been a few days prior, on March 5th, when 43-year-old Angela returned home after a trip to Utah to visit her sister. On the morning of March 6th, Angela messaged her husband, 45-year-old James Craig, after not feeling well. They started talking about the protein shake that he had made for her that morning, and she had asked if James had added more vitamins than she normally took. She was feeling dizzy and her head was foggy. She eventually went to the hospital emergency room at Parker Advantis Hospital, but they couldn't find the cause and they sent her home that same day. A few days later on March 9th, she was suffering from a worsening of symptoms. She was dizzy and having a hard time focusing. She had also started vomiting, couldn't keep medication down, had headaches, and was starting to become extremely dehydrated. She was admitted again to the Parker Adventist Hospital. She was tested for everything that they could think of. In text messages between her and her husband and her and her friend, they discussed how it was believed that she might have diabetes or an autoimmune disorder, but all the tests were coming back negative. In text, James wrote to Angela, quote, Baby, I love you so much. I wish I could just stay up there for 24-7 and be with you. I know it's lonely and boring and maybe sometimes scary, and I just want to be there to support you through all of it. During her time in the hospital, James was constantly messaging his wife, asking how she felt, if she was improving, and how much he loved and cared about her and wished her well. For days, she would not see much, if any, improvement. She would be in the hospital until March 14th, when they could not figure out what had been wrong with Angela. She was discharged and put on oxygen at home. Less than 24 hours later, Angela's brother rushed her to the Colorado University Hospital emergency room at approximately 11 a.m. Her husband, James, would arrive very soon after she was admitted. Angela complained of a severe headache and dizziness, and at approximately 2 p.m., she had a seizure and would start to decline rapidly. Doctors struggled to intubate, and she suffered intracranial pressure and no pupil response. Angela was moved to the intensive care unit, and doctors said her prognosis was very dire. Sometime after her husband arrived, his business partner and best friend arrived and pulled a nurse aside, informing her that they had suspicions that Angela may have been poisoned by her husband. 
My name is Dr. Jim Craig and I practice at Summerbrook Dental Group. I went to dental school at the University of Missouri at Kansas City uh, from 2002 to 2006. I also taught dental classes at that same university for three years. And immediately afterward, I came out to this practice and I've been practicing here since 2006. My approach to dentistry begins with sincerely listening to the patient and wanting to find out more about where they're coming from and what they're looking for and what they want. I also have a very strong philosophy that a happy team makes happy patients. He went on to explain that an employee of his had come to him that morning reporting an odd encounter that she'd had with Dr. Craig earlier that week, right before Angela had gotten sick. She said that an odd package had been delivered to the office and she opened it accidentally. Inside was a substance that they did not use nor had any reason to be delivered to their dental practice. The substance was labeled as potassium cyanide, and when Dr. Craig noticed that she'd opened the package, he said that it was a personal item and took it into his office. They hadn't thought much about it, but when Angela had gotten so sick and was still so sick, she considered the package and that it might not have been a mysterious illness after all. That was when she told the other managing partner what she'd seen. However, this realization would come too late. But who was Angela Craig? Born Angela Dawn Prey, she was born on April 15, 1979 in Dodge City, Kansas. She was part of a big family, one of 10 children, and she got out of Dodge, as her obituary said, after marrying James Craig on December 18, 1999. In the 23 years of their marriage, she had six children and the family had lived in Denver, Colorado. They had lived in the area for 15 years. She was described as kind, energetic, intelligent, and had a good humor. The sort of person that would show up for anything, and she had a huge ability to forgive. Both Angela and James were elders in the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. James counseled youth, and Angela was the choir director and also worked as a family history consultant for their church. Angela had also confided in her sister that James had an addiction to pornography and had been caught having multiple affairs. She also revealed that James was also gambling and he was in a considerable amount of debt. The family had already filed for bankruptcy in 2021, and they were likely going to have to file again. James was on the verge of losing their home and business. Law enforcement arrived at the hospital just after midnight on March 16th. Shortly after their arrival, they learned Angela was in a coma and that doctors were unsure if she was going to make it through the night. On March 18th at 4.29 p.m., Angela was pronounced brain dead and James opted to pull the plug. He'd also been adamant with the hospital not to do an autopsy and wanted to quickly arrange a cremation. The investigation into her death started before she had been pronounced dead. However, James wasn't aware that there was an investigation into her death that had started long before the 18th. Days after her death, James Craig was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. Angela's toxicology would show that she had three different unusual substances in her system at the time that she died. Potassium cyanide, arsenic, and tetrahydrozoline. And her death was ruled a homicide. The police investigation started on March 16th. They got search warrants for the home, dental practice, and James's devices. Items seized from the Craig's residence included multiple types of protein powders, multiple workout-style shakers used to drink those protein powders, a computer tablet, 
two different unlabeled plastic bags with a white powdery substance, and a water bottle on an exercise bike. A Child Protective Services caseworker would also contact law enforcement after they'd interviewed James and his children individually. They informed law enforcement that James had made some concerning statements, focusing mainly on that he had said that Angela had severe depression and had been suicidal for some time. James had also told the caseworker that he had found Angela after attempting to take her life and had personally revived her on several occasions. He also said that he had asked his wife for a divorce in December 2022 and that her depression had got much worse after that. He informed the caseworker that she had previously overdosed on opioids and that she would likely have something in her toxicology report, but he didn't know what it would be. The caseworker felt compelled to report this to the police because none of the children reported any kind of depression from their mother or any previous suicide attempt. The children's ages range from 20 to 8 years old. Certainly, the older kids would have noticed their mother having some sort of decline in mental health, but they hadn't noticed anything unusual with their mother. The caseworker ultimately believed that it would be unlikely that no one else living in the house other than James would have missed these signs or evidence of depression or suicide. They thought it was very much more likely that James was setting up a cover story. James's business partner and his wife would provide the police with statements and screenshots of their text message conversations that James had had with them. James and his business partner had gone to dental school together, and they had known each other's families for decades. They knew Angela and the kids and were deeply concerned about James's behavior while Angela had been ill. The messages include a message to his business partner expressing how mad he was that he had told authorities about the package that had been delivered to the office, and that he was very unhappy that the children had to see their mom for the last time after police had gotten their evidence. He said that if he cared for them at all, he would not talk to the police unless forced. This was the message James sent to his business partner, quote, I understand why you did what you did. I do, I get it. But if you'd come to me personally, man to man, instead of talking to everyone else about what you thought you knew, I might have let you in on some details that would have made you less likely to cause this horrible storm. If you had only put me higher on your list of priorities instead of putting everyone else's opinions and gossip ahead of me, for that, I'm very, very mad at you. With the search of both James and Angela's phone, police were able to check past text message conversations between the couple on the days that led to the 18th. First, they found a conversation about not telling her sister about conversations that they'd had the night before. This conversation happened on March 1st when she was visiting Utah. The conversations would also include her time not feeling well, including the first day she wasn't feeling well, and James's message, quote, Given our history, I know that this must be triggering. For the record, I didn't drug you. I'm super worried, though. You really looked pale before I left, like in your lips even. And while Angela had still been in the hospital, he texted this message to a friend, quote, If it wasn't my wife, this would be kind of a fun puzzle to try to work out. Angela's sister would later tell the police that James had drugged Angela approximately five to six years prior, 
She said that Angela had told her that she had been drugged with an unknown substance because James had told her he had done it so that he could go to the bathroom and give himself a lethal injection. He apparently drugged her so that she would not find him or be able to stop him before the injection took effect. Angela had apparently told her that there'd been no evidence that he'd ever tried to commit suicide, and the two didn't speak of it again. Her sister also told police that the marriage between James and Angela had always been tumultuous. James had multiple affairs over the years, and he had told his wife he'd been addicted to pornography since he was a teenager. Law enforcement would talk to the office manager from dental practice. She had worked as their office manager for about six months, and she told police in her interview that she'd been told that on March 6, James and his wife had worked out together and that he had given his wife extra protein in her shake because she was feeling sluggish and that she had started to feel unwell and had been taken to the hospital. And after his wife had been discharged the first time, she had found James in exam room 9 on a computer in there, which had been odd because he had his own computer in his office and a laptop that he often took home with him. He would not have needed to use that computer except with a patient and he was alone. Shortly after she left the office, with James still in the exam room, she got a text message from James saying that a package was going to be delivered to the office, but it was personal and to not open it. In the following days, Angela was back in the hospital. James had said he was unsure if his wife was quote-unquote going to make it in the same sentence and also asked how the business was doing, which she had found odd. On March 13th, when the package arrived, the office manager discovered that one of the other office staff had opened the package, not knowing it was for James personally. The office manager went to reseal the package so she could put it in James's office when she noticed a packing slip for potassium cyanide. She had never seen it delivered to the office and she didn't know a need they would have for it. She resealed the package and hand-delivered it to James. When Angela was back in the hospital, she looked up the side effects of cyanide poisoning and it matched her symptoms. That was when she then informed the business partner. On March 17th, police started to look into James's web history. They discovered that on the computer hard drive found in exam room 9, James had another Gmail account, different than the one that they knew. With this email, James had conducted searches for how many grams of pure arsenic to kill a human? Is arsenic detectable in an autopsy? The same account was used to order arsenic metal from Amazon on February 27, 2023, and it was delivered to his home on March 4th. More searches were conducted, including YouTube searches for top five undetectable poisons that show no signs of foul play. How to make poison, the top 10 deadliest plants that can kill you. The top five undetectable poisons video listed both cyanide and arsenic as follows, quote, cyanide found in countless items in the home and other locations, 1.5 milligrams per kilogram of body weight is a fatal dose for humans. Arsenic is virtually undetectable besides the Marsh test used in murder and mystery. This was not only the chemical that was ordered using this Gmail account, James had also ordered potassium cyanide from Medland Scientific. His order confirmation came through on March 9th after some emails back and forth for proper forms to be signed. In the emails, James said it was for surgery and he needed delivered the next day. The emails between Midland Scientific and James showed that he would get the package on March 13th, not the next day. 
This is believed to be the package that was opened by office staff. While looking into this new email, police would also find correspondence between a woman and James that seemed to be intimate in nature. Two flight itineraries were found with this woman traveling from Austin, Texas to Denver, Colorado. The dates of these flights were March 8th to 10th and March 16th to 20th. The second itinerary was purchased on March 4th, the same day that the arsenic arrived. And they were able to learn that this woman was an orthodontist who James had met at a conference earlier in the year. She has since had an interview where she explained that when they met, she was in the final stages of a lengthy divorce and that James had told her he was also getting a divorce. Do you think that James Craig allegedly poisoned his wife to clear the deck so he could be with you? There's no way I'm motive. There's been no planning a future together. She says he told her he was also going through a divorce as she had been. He told me they hadn't been living together. He had an apartment. Kane visiting Craig in Denver. Angela was on life support after suffering a seizure. He at no point seemed stressed or anxious or, I mean, really, I had to drag it out. I'm like, are you sure you're okay? Because he seemed okay. Kane says they met for dinner twice. Soon after, Angela was pronounced dead. Craig was arrested and charged with first-degree murder. Investigators questioned Karen, who was in shock. I can't even imagine the loss of, of a family member and then the to consider that it could be at the hands of someone that had been in the family for 25 years. According to her, James had told her that he was already living apart from his wife. The two had lengthy conversations about the struggles they faced while ending long marriages, bonding over navigating moving forward, and other experiences that she believed they were both experiencing. The two had only just started dating, and it hadn't been a serious relationship yet, and she hadn't been rushing into anything. She has since fully cooperated with law enforcement once all of his lies came to light. She wanted to set the record straight that they had not started talking about a future together, so she didn't believe that she had been any sort of motive to murder Angela. She also said that had she known he was still married and living as his wife, she wouldn't have ever dated him. She also revealed that the two had two dinner dates together while his wife was on life support in the hospital. James had told her that his wife was sick in the hospital, and she said that he didn't seem stressed or anxious at that time. On their second date, James had said that Angela was dying, so she ended their date insisting that he should be with his family. Experts speculated that it had been the protein shakes that James had been preparing for Angela that had been poisoned, as it was the only thing in the home that wasn't consumed by the rest of the family. Her toxicology showed that she had likely been given small amounts at first, and when it wasn't working fast enough, she had been given larger and ultimately more lethal doses, showing that it wasn't an accident and had been a calculated, thought-out plan James had designed to end his wife's life with intent and malice. News reports also show that Angela had three life insurance policies, with the beneficiaries being James Craig. In addition to gambling, James had lost a considerable amount of money from investing in cryptocurrency. His business partner described James as a significant risk taker and took that approach to investing, but it had put him into millions of dollars of debt. James Craig has not made a plea at this time, and he has been assigned a public defender. Angela's family, including the children, have asked for privacy. James was initially held without bond because it was a capital offense. 
but a Colorado Supreme Court ruling in June said that judges must set a bond in first-degree murder cases. However, the bond was ultimately set at $10 million cash only. James does not seem to have paid that at this time. James Craig was set to put in a plea for the charges against him, but they have been delayed and at the time of recording have not recurred. James Craig has not been convicted of this crime and the trial will likely go forward. Well, folks, we've reached the end of another gripping episode here on True Crime Mysteries. Thank you for joining me as we delve deep into the complexities of today's case. Before we go, let's not forget the human element in these stories. The victims, their families, and sometimes even the perpetrators are all part of a larger societal puzzle that we're trying to understand. While we explore these cases, it's crucial to remember the impact on real lives and communities. If you want to keep up with our weekly investigations, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you are captivated by these stories as we are, please take a moment to leave us a rating and review. Your support helps us bring more unsolved mysteries and untold stories to light. With that being said, stay curious, stay vigilant, and most importantly, stay safe. Until next week, good night.